blowing up the White House. We are here to be nasty. I'm nasty, like my blood stains on my bed sheets. Again, we birthed this nation, and we can unbirth a nation if we choose. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. Today, we may not be your average feminist, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And I'm Sarah. And this week, we are talking about the Women's March. The first Women's March happened right around two years ago, so uh, January 2017. We are two years later. And the third Women's March is scheduled for January 19th, I believe, mm-hmm. 2019. Um, and so we thought now would be the perfect time to talk about our feelings on the Women's March. And shocker, they're pretty complicated. Complicated. <laughs> so, yeah, complicated. <coughs> I think a good place for us to start would be to just talk about the first Women's March, um, whether we all went, if not, why not? Um, and then just go from there. So um, I guess I'll kick things off and talk about 2017 um, and the first massive women's march. Um, I was in D.C. I think we all were in D.C. at the time. Um, in fact, I know we were. Mm-hmm. And um, I did not go to the women's march in 2017. Uh, there are a lot of reasons. I was very um, like conflicted about it for a little bit. And then I finally just was like, no, I... It doesn't feel right to me. I don't feel like I belong with these group with this group of women, and so I'm just gonna like be at peace with not going. And I didn't go because mm-hmm. initially I did feel a little bit guilty. Like I'm a woman. Um, obviously, I believe in women's rights, whatever that means, um, and I want equal rights. I don't want like assault to go unpunished. Like all these things. Like of course I'm on board with that, but it just didn't feel like I. Um, fit with this particular group Mm -hmm. and the the more I saw what they were doing and saying and the signs that they were carrying um, I know that I made the right decision and so um, ultimately I felt at peace with not being there and I don't think I missed out on anything I don't look back on it today and think wow that was a huge moment in history and I could have gone and I didn't go Mm -hmm. you know Um, and I so I don't know like how you guys felt about it but it just seems so obvious at the beginning that it was a Trump protest more than anything else. Yes. And regardless of, you know, how I feel about Trump, which, you know, again, you know, shocker, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going to spend the day after an inauguration marching in the streets of Washington wearing pink hats and carrying vulgar signs and screaming about the president. Like, when Obama was elected, was I unhappy? Yes. Okay. Did I take to the streets and like protest and plan a march? No. Yeah. So it's just not something that like I felt connected to and I didn't feel connected to these women or the organizers. And um, uh, putting aside all the policy differences that I have with the organizers and many people that were at the Women's March, it just didn't fit with me. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I'm not a marcher type just in general. I didn't march during, I don't even think they would call it marching, but I wasn't part of any of the Tea Party mm-hmm. movement. I was not part of the Women's March. I just, that's not my style of political activism. Yeah. 
I don't find it particularly helpful. I think it's just very showy and it's more of sending social cues to your universe, your social universe yeah. to let them know where you stand on anything. And I like to keep that more either in the ballot box or in thoughtful dialogue or discussion mm-hmm. on issues. Cause it's just so easy to get it construed because like you said, this is complicated. And from day one, it was political and it was political and all of the easy to spot reasons. Um, it just always felt much more leftist than a rightist kind of issue. Mm-hmm. And all of the people there, uh, the leadership were surrounded by groups that traditionally have never been friendly to conservatives or yeah, Republicans. Like Parenthood, Emily's List. Yeah. And even if I wanted to march in the first place, it just seemed like an act of virtue signaling in the first place. But no one could really tell me what the march was for or how me being involved would actually make any concrete differences in actual advancements in women's rights writ large. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I did not Yeah, march. and I mean if the marches if the marchers had been like, Yes, we are marching in the streets just to protest Trump, okay, that's one thing. Like protest your heart out, that's fine. But they kept saying over and over again, No, this is not just a Trump protest. This is like uniting all women and like women rising up and you know whatever whatever um but again i struggled with how does a march do any of that stuff and tell me again that this is not just a trump protest like really yeah so yeah that's i don't don't know it just didn't seem right for me how do you yeah what how does marching help us close the pay gap yeah how does marching help us end domestic violence yeah. like I, there was no tangible d- like deliverable at the end of this yeah. and actually this was everyone reacting because they didn't like the reactions yeah. or they didn't like the elections that just concluded yeah where like this was a, this was a protest like yeah. i i mean regardless of what anyone else said on this stage or in the news coverage which was like ridiculously glowing or, wh- or whatever else anyone said this was clearly just a protest and so you know as someone who votes republican is a conservative who was not devastated by the re- results of election day 2016 um and in fact like really badly did not want hillary clinton to be president like i was not about to march in the streets to protest um, the outcome of that election um i don't know christina what do you think I mean, I didn't go to the march. I mm-hmm. went to the inauguration the day before. <laughs> but slightly different crowd. Slightly different crowd. Um, I mean, I knew that it was political from day one. They were yeah. excluding groups of pro, like pro-life groups from mm-hmm. the march. They wouldn't let – I mean, conservative women were not able to march during it. So I knew from the beginning that it was very biased. Yeah. Um, I don't I just know. wouldn't have felt welcome. No. Yeah. And I'm also not a marcher, so. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I was also coming right off of the inauguration eve. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned this in previous podcasts. Oh, yeah, that's right. Experiencing what you experienced. I did not have the best experience with, like, the immediate, like, these were, like, vandal, rioter kind of protests the night before. So I was like, nope, I'm going to stay inside. And I watched the coverage of of the Women's March. with great interest in yeah and um yeah but no, i mean if there was you no way I was going if you had watched the coverage that day 
all you saw was how amazing this is. It's so spectacular, like millions of women all coming together and uniting under this one cause and standing up for women's rights and um, just how, like, inspiring it is. Like, that's what you got if you watch the coverage. And to this day, if you read anything about the Women's March, that's the kind of stuff that you get most of the time. Um, so it was it was hard sitting out, um, you know, and, and feeling like, yes, there's so many things that I want to participate. There's so many reasons why I would participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I really thought that's what the march was about, like, maybe I would have been there. Yeah. But I just couldn't get past the, like, we're going to shove these policies down your throat and you better be on board or else, like, you're not welcome. And, Which, from, and from the very beginning. So it wasn't, it yeah. was not uniting all women. Yeah. It was particularly excluding yeah. groups of people. Yeah. So anyway, so that's where we all were on the original 2017 March. Um, basically not there <laughs> at our homes. Um, and it was pretty cold that day. So I think we made the right call. Um, and, and just so as we've all mentioned, there were a lot of reasons to be skeptical of the march itself and the goals or lack of goals. But the more we've gotten removed from that original 2017 march and the more we've seen this um, movement grow over the last couple of years, there's been more and more reasons to be skeptical of it and um, skeptical of its leadership. Mm-hmm. And not to like rehash everything that's been in the news lately. Um, if you followed news about the Women's March at all, you may have heard about all this stuff. But, um, you know, the leaders have been criticized, rightfully so, for a lot of their um, – how should I put it? Anti-Semitic um, associations. Okay, yes, anti-Semitic associations. <clears throat> some of the things that they've said and done over the last couple of years. Um, even some of the original founding members have called for the um, – the uh, resignation, the of resignation of Linda Sarsour and I believe Tamika Mallory, who yeah. are both on the board um, and are very involved. So there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the Women's March, um, especially I'd say in the last six months. And so, uh, and a lot of well, not a lot, maybe several of their like celebrity, big celebrity members have also said like we are not going to participate in Women's March events until they either recant their anti-Semitism or apologize or I don't remember exactly what it was. So there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. Nevertheless, they are moving forward with the third march, and mm-hmm. um, I for one will not be attending. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so if it doesn't get canceled. Yeah, I know they already canceled one in California. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yes. Because it was going to be too white. Yes, in Eureka, California. KRCR News is reporting that the California organizers canceled their march. Due to overwhelmingly white participants. So they've canceled it until they can find more So, like, I read that news story, and the story also pointed out that Eureka, California, is, like, 79% white. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're just drawing marchers from the community, of course it's going to be overwhelmingly white. Um, But that just goes goes to show that this is not about marching for women. This is about specific agenda. And it's um, which PR. we will get to this later. This is all like a PR exercise. Yeah. Yeah, plain and simple. Um, so I think also it's probably worth talking about what the Women's March has accomplished in the last two years. Because if we ta- if we think about why we didn't march, you know, they didn't have specific goals or 
um, anything that seemed like, you know, marching or joining this movement would would help. Um, so what have they accomplished in the last two years? Like, what do you guys think? Anything beneficial? No, nothing. I feel like they've <laughs> tried to piggyback on to things so that after Parkland happened, they tried to piggyback on like the anti-gun movement and try to host protests based on that, but they haven't. Oh yeah, they did that march yeah. on, um, from DOJ to the NRA. Do you yeah. remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they did piggyback off that, um. I mean, they've done little things here and there, like the Day Without a Woman strike, which I believe was a massive failure. I don't even remember what it, what, when it was. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was shortly after, and the big idea was like all women were supposed to stay home from work and abstain from doing anything. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody did it. Um, or, there, were, there were definitely people that did it, but um, in reading some of the coverage of... Um, uh, the controversial coverage over the last couple of months, there were several leaders um, for all of for within the women's march and all of the disparate groups mm-hmm. that were doing marches at the same time that were kind of appalled that they were telling women, especially women in right to work states, mm-hmm. those are ones not protected by, by unions, mm-hmm. um, to not go to work because they were like, <clears throat> you can't just tell people to not go to work there's actual real life repercussions mm-hmm. like you could get fired or just yeah. dis- like just or what if you actions. are living you know right about the what if you're like lower middle class and you know you're a single mom and you what are you supposed to just not work your shift that day because some like organizer from brooklyn is telling you not to like it was a very like uh, more than i think about it it's a very elitist like form of protest yeah Mm -hmm. and especially if you're an hourly worker and you have to make x amount of Mm -hmm. hours to qualify for benefits yeah even it's just yeah it's it's a very elitist position to take to to not work extremely misguided okay so what else have they done they were very active in the kavanaugh protests of course yeah um obviously very ineffective because he got confirmed so Mm Um, strike two. What they they did a bunch of immigrant or immigration protests this past summer with the mm-hmm. hashtag women disobey, which I'm still not sure like How does what that, that link... hashtag was supposed to be yeah. about. How does that link to immigration? I have no idea. Probably could Google that and find out, but um, I just remember that, that like, seems trending like all the time should... on Twitter like this past summer. We should look into that for another episode, but yeah, yeah women women disobey. Gosh, yeah. Um, I think just generally, um, they've done themselves a huge disservice because they haven't given any women clarity on what what defines women's rights. They they automatically, and you can see this like um, we if you go through the convention that they had in was it 2017 mm-hmm. in October 2017. I think that's where they unveiled their unity principles. Um, we're going to have a future podcast on their unity principles in depth, but they do their best to just say women's rights are human's rights and are also all these other rights. And so if women's rights are everything else, then what what is it not? So yeah. it's just it's just they've watered down. It's very convoluted. They've watered down what it means to be a woman and what issues are most pressing and important to our gender. Mm-hmm. when it comes to politics um, because they want to make everything intersectional. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's just going to hurt women in general. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that has bugged me the most about the Women's March is how defensive they are when anyone points out um, something wrong about the movement itself or um, when people have pointed out the anti-Semitic comments that a couple of their leaders have made. So a great example of this is um, in August 2017, so about six months after their first march, a New York Times op-ed columnist um, Barry Weiss wrote an article for the New York Times called When Progressives Embrace Hate. And the entire op-ed was about um, kind of just going through all these examples of anti-Semitism in the Women's March and just basically calling them out um, for it. Um, and talking about how, uh, let's see, some of the, the things Linda Sarsour has said on Twitter, like nothing is creepier than Zionism, she wrote in 2012, um, and and her embrace, and Tamika Mallory's embrace of, um, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on that guy's name. Farrakhan. Farrakhan, um, the, yeah, Farrakhan. the nation of Islam leader who is a raging anti-Semite. Um, and then, do you remember that summer when... Uh, the Women's March tweeted happy birthday to the revolutionary Asada Shakur, and I'm probably not saying her name right, but she's oh, a cop killer fugitive in mm-hmm. Cuba, and they celebrated her birthday that summer. And so Barry Weiss is kind of going through all these things and basically saying, like, there's this shiny veneer of, like, positivity and fem- positive feminism on the Women's March, but when you dig deeper, there's a lot of, like, elements that have embraced hate, and mm-hmm. those are some really good examples. But anytime anyone calls them out or, like, points this out, those leaders just get really defensive. Like, um, Jake Tapper even tweeted about the cop killer thing, and Linda Sarsour replied by um, accusing him of just being part of the alt-right, which is ridiculous to anyone who knows Jake Tapper. Um, And then, so this op-ed runs, and then a couple days later, the New York Times ran a response letter to the editor about it from a woman named Bob Bland, who was one of the um, founders of the Women's March. And she ends her letter, and she's it's very defensive, and um, I'll put this in the show notes, but she ends her letter by saying this, for now, and I'm quoting, for now, critics like Miss Weiss are just critics from their seats until they get up, listen, and do the work to understand those whose feelings have been shaped by injustices. They will remain apologists for the status quo racist ideology and the white nationalist patriarchy end quote so basically if you don't get on board with what we're doing and you don't like join us then you're basically a racist and a white nationalist that's what she's saying so you know what's also very interesting Hmm. tamika mallory and linda sarsour have been i'm probably saying her last name incorrectly have not been on twitter at all since november or october really they've been been radio silent since the end of october I wonder what that's about. Uh, they probably are clearing their accounts and like making deleting sure they're deleting things and not saying anything that they yeah. are going to making in sure people still show up for the march in January. Yeah. <laughs> they're not even tweeting. I mean, both of their accounts have been silent since wow. the end of October. So I'm wondering if all of this bad press that they've actually gotten has maybe they are stepping back. Maybe they will take a step back from everything. I guess we'll see. Because I they're mean, two of the most controversial. They're the controversial they ones. They are. I would say Sarsour is probably the most controversial, but she yeah. has been so defiant. Um, and, and she has said some of the worst. And she's yeah. a Palestinian activist. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But she yeah. has said some of the more anti-Semitic things mm-hmm. in the past. 
Um, and until very recently has refused to apologize or like say anything really or back or walk back any of her comments until um, this past November, a few weeks ago, she apologized to Jewish members of the Women's March. So you, you could say maybe they're like learning their lesson and turning over a new leaf, but how much of it is like real and how much of it is just for PR sake? It's probably for PR sake so they can still get money. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. And what was her actual apology? Let's see. We sh- quote, we should have been faster and clearer in helping people understand our values and our commitment to fighting am- anti-Semitism. We regret that, said the statement. That's not really an apology. Yeah. We regret. Yeah. <laughs> Every, let's, well, it continues. Every member of our movement matters to us, including our incredible Jewish and LGBTQ members. We are deeply sorry for the harm we have caused but we see you, we love you, and we are fighting with you. So she's not apologizing for the things that she has said. She's no. just generally... Ap- she's apologizing on behalf of the Women's yeah. March. Not on behalf of herself for the no, things that she has said. <laughs> but, I mean, some of the stuff that they've done has been pretty horrible. Like, let's see, Mallory posted a photo of herself with Farrakhan after a speech um, he gave with uh, lots of anti-Semitic comments. Um after that outcry, and I'm reading from um, this news article that I'll also put in the show notes. But after that controversy, the Women's March released a statement saying, and this was last February, um, saying Minister Farrakhan's statements about Jewish, queer, and trans people are not aligned with the Women's March unity principles. But they never stepped away from him, and they kept showing up at events with him and not denouncing anything that he was saying. So it's just, that's partly why. I will always feel okay with not being aligned with the Women's March because I don't even think even they know what their identity is. No. And there seems to be so much confusion and convolution um, within the movement and what they want, what they believe, what they're doing, who their leaders are. Um, but why would any woman need to be a part of that in order to, like, believe in women's rights or no. fight for women's rights? No. Uh, I think... The problem is, I mean, their their bigger problem, aside from excluding 50% of women yeah. in America, is that they're having infights with themselves right now. And you just go through and you read their tweets, you read their op-eds, you see what they have on their website, and you can see instantly it's just, their, it's just a string of um, addendums to things. Mm-hmm. Like we believe this. For this people and these people, for all women, especially, and then they list 20 different subgroups. I was going over some of this with my husband, and I was like, okay, so, because I noticed that they had added specifically Jewish women in all of the call-outs, where oh, they're yeah. specifically saying, you know, rights should be protective for all of these certain classes of people, including Jewish women and of course, it's followed by Muslim women. And I was like, what about Hindus and Catholics? And I was like, where are all the other religions? And it's just, it's ridiculous. And that's that's where they're going to get themselves into trouble because everyone's going to want to be included. And then pretty soon, you're not going to have enough space to type all of the different rainbow of people because that's life. Yeah. There are so many different types of people. And instead of just celebrating that, we are trying to break people down to like the mm-hmm. lowest common denominator. Yeah. It would just be smart if they said 
all women or people that identify as women. Yeah. And leave it at that. Leave it at that. Yeah, they're making it way too complicated for themselves. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what I feel like a lot of groups on the left are doing these days. And I, and this is probably best for our conversation about the unity principles, um, which is coming out next week, by the way. Um, but it's, to me, the bigger, like, the bigger, big, like, big picture issue with the Women's March and the issues that I have with it is all about identity politics, which I, th- I think we'll get into more next week. Um, but just the idea that, like, we're so focused on identities of like this person and this person, this person and all these different groups and trying to bring all those together under one roof. Like there's going to be infighting. There's going to be conflicting interests. There's going to be egos that you have to fight. There's going to be like a level of competition of like, okay, who's the bigger victim? And like, how do we wrap all these things together and bring them together? Just to me, it's just a recipe for disaster when all you're doing every day is just looking at identities and playing this game of identity politics and like to me those things are too small like if if you really want to talk about fighting like real injustice in the world and like and and promoting like real gender equality and women's rights like those are huge big global issues Mm -hmm. but when you get so granular like Oh, we're gonna fight um, uh, for women's rights by wearing um, pussy hats, or by talking about like you know um, microaggressions against um, gay people or or whatever it is. It's just I don't see how that's effective long term. Yeah, and I think they're Does that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know, I know, for so many people that do get sucked into all this activism. Um, using a previous example you used um giving voice back to historically um oppressed or discriminated against people um that that is a great and worthy cause Mm -hmm. to build someone up build their confidence up um help them achieve um help them achieve different aspects of american and professional personal success yeah but you if you try to make that a political issue, like listen to me, and if you don't, if you don't listen to me X, Y, or Z, and I'm yelling at you and I'm demanding all this kind of stuff, you must want me to stay oppressed. Like mm-hmm. that's that is the completely wrong mindset to have in mind as you go in and you do those things. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I think the the point I was getting at too, um, there's this great column again in the New York Times uh, by David Brooks. And I'm just going to read, like, a small paragraph of it because he says this so much better than I just did. Um, But he wrote this um, just a couple days after the march. Um, And he says this, quote, Finally, identity politics is too small for this moment. On Friday, Trump offered a version of unabashed populist nationalism. On Saturday, the anti-Trump forces could have offered a red, white, and blue alternative patriotism, a modern, forward-looking patriotism based on pluralism, dynamism, growth, racial and gender equality, and global engagement. Instead, the marches offered the pink hats, an anti-Trump movement built oddly around Planned Parenthood and lots of signs with the word pussy in them. The definition of America is up for grabs. Our fundamental institutions have been exposed as shockingly hollow, but the marches couldn't escape the language and tropes of identity politics. And I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. 
why I didn't get involved um, and why I will continue to not get involved in the Women's March. Because like, there are some really big issues that we could be talking about, and instead we are knitting pink pussy hats and just like screaming about wanting to blow up the White House, which is not helpful. And writing poetry slam pieces... But Poetry I, slam pieces. Yeah, man. I'll have to find some for <laughs> did you. Did I miss that? <laughs> I mean, South Park did a great job kind of. They didn't necessarily point out the Women's March specifically, but they did a whole season, which is like one of the first times they've ever done this. That it's, And I watch a lot of South Park. So, <laughs> but they did a whole season on like identity politics and PC culture, which, really? and they never normally like string together seasons. Ne- there's never like any, they normally just do hot button issues. I think they write their shows like the week that they premiere. Yeah. Um, but they did a whole season that was like PC principle and they had like women's issues in there. It was oh, wow. really like a hysterical look at the kind of like that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Rumble Up. Did you know that 90% of text messages are read within the first three minutes? That's right. Stop counting open rates or dialing phone numbers that never connect. Instead, send a text. Rumble Up is the most advanced peer-to-peer texting platform, driving real conversations between real people. That's right, real So whether you're a candidate running for office, a small business, a corporation, or a nonprofit organization, Rumble Up can help you launch your own texting campaigns. Simply visit www.rumbleup.com to get started today. That's www.rumbleup.com and get started today. So welcome back. We just had a really fun conversation about what the Women's March means to us, how it's been a complicated relationship, um, not only with women on the right, with the leaders of the movement, but also within the movement itself. So um, for your reading pleasure, we are going to also link to a couple other articles we found while we were preparing for this episode that we think are really interesting but would take us way too long over. Um, So there's some goodies here on their financials um, over the past year and also just some of the drama that's been breaking in the news. So to wrap up this episode, let's talk a little bit about, in a nutshell, why why are we talking about the women's movement and why why this conversation matters so much to talk about a movement that claims to speak for all women? Well, I think that's why it's so important for us to talk about it, because they do claim to speak for all women, um, and they clearly don't. But they say that they do. They act like they do. The media tr- certainly treats them like they speak for all women. Um, and I think that's what's most frustrating for me personally and, you know, just put this out there like that's why I started Not Your Average Feminist two years ago because it was so frustrating to constantly see um, people from the Women's March or these activist celebrity liberal types um, go on stage or go do interviews and talk about how they are speaking for the women of America and you're sitting at home like shaking your fist like no you're not speaking for me but the media just takes it and accepts it and says like oh like 
you're doing such a good job like speaking on behalf of all women and um so it is important to 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 for those of us who disagree to speak out and say you know this movement doesn't represent me and these women don't represent me and they don't speak for me and that's why i think this is really important and um that's why this podcast exists in the first place yep and i would also add that it's very important to have differences of opinions heard and to me personally this movement has felt intolerant since day one yes so with the pro-life groups it just shows you right there they're not tolerating other opinions whatsoever Mm -hmm. they're not inclusive to everyone at this point Mm -hmm. yeah and if they really were about uniting all women it shouldn't matter who you vote for it should just be about you're a woman you're part of my tribe like i want you involved instead it's been if you don't vote this way or for this candidate or um, embrace abortion, um, you're not welcome here. And that's the message I think a lot of us have gotten, and and this is why it's so important to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that we all think the movement has been unsuccessful over the last two years. Does anyone here think there's anything they can do to turn it around to make it successful, especially with this upcoming March this month? <sighs> that's a good question. I mean, represent all women, not just women with like-minded opinions would be yeah. one way of going about it. Maybe, I mean, yeah, drop the preachiness yeah. aspect and like welcome all women into the fold and make it really about women's rights and or just make it about uniting women, you know, under one umbrella and and let's just go from there. Like they could do that. I don't think they will do that. Um considering they're about to roll out a policy agenda. I'm pretty sure we're not going to be on board with a lot yeah. of it. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, especially given that they're rolling out a, a policy agenda, like this is a political group. And the reality is um, a lot of us females are not going to be a part of it um, because it is political. And some of us just don't agree. So, um for them to be successful, maybe something they do is just double down on their progressivism and their liberal ideology, and, and maybe they are successful and they become like a huge successful group on the left pushing a progressive agenda. Yeah. You know, that's something. Like, But then stop treating them like they are some like big women's movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it, there needs to be clear delineators moving forward because mm-hmm. in my mind it's obvious that they've already – they've set the bogey that is that's that is what they are now there's no room for uh women on the right that don't agree with all of the outlined unity principles and that's that's that is what they're doing yeah at this point they're a political organization which is fine um go be your political badass selves like that's fine um i just you know, it's not a to me. It's not a movement anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, did they endorse candidates in twenty? They did, didn't they? Like that's or at least they backed a lot of twenty eighteen candidates. Did they? I don't. They're not officially. I don't, know. I don't probably not officially. I don't think well, so. I mean, okay. they invited it people. Fe- to... It felt like they did. Maybe they didn't. But it, I mean, they invite them to speak, that's like true. like politicians and things like that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so it's it's it's. I think it's it would be impossible at this point for them to say we're not a political organization because they clearly are. So yeah. that's fine. Um, go do your thing. You know, I hope they're not successful, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe they will be. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's like when I think about the march, you know, the original march that we were talking about earlier, like 
in 50 years, am I, are my children or my grandchildren going to ask me, like, Grandma, were you there at the Women's March in 2017? Like, I don't see that being a question I'm going to get asked. No. It's not like the Civil Rights Marches or, like, the March on the MLK March on Washington. I just don't think that that's where this is headed. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, like, I'm not worried that I'm ever going to have to face that question and be asked, like, why weren't you there? Were you there for the Women's March in 2000? Like, I just don't think that's going to be a thing. I agree. So, if it's, anything. And, and even if it was, like, that's fine. But I just, I don't see that happening. Like, in 50 years, I think this will be a footnote. It'll be a footnote, and the things that you'll see aren't going to be anything beneficial. It'll be women in pink hats. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to be it. And, yeah. like, yeah. The photos and history books will be, yeah, women Lonin. marching with pink hats and yep. carrying, like, signs with caricatures of Donald Trump on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just what I think. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they – I mean, they have no – there's – well, they're about to roll out an agenda. We'll see what it is. Yeah. But this doesn't even hold a candle to the women's suffragette movement. No, not yeah. anywhere – I mean, not even the women's movement in the 70s, which I'm not a huge – fan of now either mm-hmm. but the women's march isn't even that organized and like the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s the women's rights movements were even more yeah. active than this i but feel at, like at they, least i feel like the that's like the, what the second wave or whatever yeah. in the 70s 60s at least they knew what they were marching for and they yeah. were marching for concrete things yeah exactly and um like concrete like policy changes that they wanted to see um i don't know like the policy I don't know what the policy changes are that we're fighting for these days or what the Women's March is fighting yeah. for. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we'll find out, but they're definitely not – there's not like that, like, two or three things that I can say off the top of my head, oh, like, that's what they're fighting for right now. Mm-hmm. But so. if you tune in next week, yeah, we are going to go through all of their unity principles and give you a sneak, pre- sneak peek into um, the different political committees by issue area – that the Women's March has broken out. And, Which is um, fascinating. By it's the way. really interesting. So give us give us a lesson next week. And thank you for tuning in this week. Also, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening, who's been writing us and texting us back with great feedback. We have wonderful reviews and great ratings so far. We want to keep the progress up. Yes. So please share this with your friends, shoot it to your mom. Uh, and her mom and her her sisters (laughs) and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us through we're on google play itunes and spotify we're hoping to expand that in the future but please leave us a five-star um review and leave us a positive rating we'd appreciate it yeah all right that's that's a wrap for this week thanks again for tuning in 